1: to start winning.
2: Out there. I'm your host, Nathan Powell, and this is the Dynasty Trade Cast on Roto Viz Radio, brought to you by the Blue Wire Network. Week seven. Week seven is in the books. We are I I would say we're almost halfway done with the season, but the season's like now like thirty weeks, so. <laughs> We're, you know, a quarter of the way through the season, basically. Um, you know, week seven is in the books. And this evening I am joined by the one, the only
3: Daniel Sane-Yo. How's it going, Dan? It's it's going. We're we're approaching that midway point. We still have, like you mentioned, about 15 weeks before we hit the midway point of said said season now that it has too many weeks in it. But a lot of stories, a lot of developments, uh strangely enough, a lot of kind of interesting quarterback news, which I know we'll be touching on a little bit tonight, some shakeups in the wide receiver ranks uh, all all sorts of stuff so it's it's been an interesting and brutal season, especially for those folks that happen to have t- soft tissue uh, because it seems like it's affected everybody this year. Uh, it's weird how no training camp or OTAs or anything leads to everyone not having any soft tissue anymore so Uh, that's not great. Maybe we go back to the old way. All righty. Let's
2: get into the show this evening. We're recording on Tuesday, and the big NFL news of Tuesday has been that the Houston Chronicle is reporting that the Houston Texans and Miami Dolphins have agreed to a trade of Deshaun Watson's and Miami Dolphins pending – The results of Roger Goodell's investigation. This is the dumbest announcement I have ever heard in my entire life. They could have made this announcement seven months ago. Like, we've known this entire time that this trade was going to happen as soon as the investigation shook out, as long as it didn't shake out and basically Deshaun Watson's career ending. Do you think that today slash, you know, the last week or so is movement towards this trade actually happening? Or do you think this is more of just like posturing waiting for, you know, this news to even happen. The craziest part about all this is that the NFL has come out and basically said that if Deshaun Watson wanted to play next week, he'd play. I'm not sure how much I believe that. But, you know, I think they kind of have to stick by it for ne- by it for now. So, like, if Deshaun Watson gets traded on Thursday, does he play for the Dolphins? Probably not, you know, this Sunday, but the following Sunday. Like, who knows? So, I guess the main question is, with this piece of news, do you think that... Deshaun Watson has any chance of playing
3: in 2021? I mean, I think so. I think they've made it pretty clear that they're not going to put him on the commissioner's list unless uh, something substantial is brought about and he's charged. Um, they're, they've made it pretty clear they're not going to do it. So I, I don't see a way where if he is moved, which it sounds like he will be probably close to the deadline, if not on the deadline to make sure. Everything's worked out to make sure. Which is have, next Tuesday, right? Uh, the second, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah no, November 2nd. So it, it's, it's interesting. There was a while there where I wasn't necessarily sure that Miami was interested in Deshaun and it was Deshaun interested in Miami because the only news we ever heard was that was where Watson wanted to go. And then Miami over the last however many well not however many years the last couple of years you know they bring in Tua they make the moves to kind of build around Tua and and get the offense going that way so it it kind of didn't make sense because they probably could have made this happen with that draft capital that they spent to get Tua Uh, obviously the news for Deshaun Watson changed a lot of things and his price tag dropped substantially so now it'll probably be interesting to see if a, Tua goes back to Houston, or B, if there's a third team involved, because we keep hearing about a third team, but no one's really clear on it. We keep hearing about, like, Washington. Carolina and Washington and, you know, all of these different teams. And, well, now it's – well, who's going to end up with Deshaun? Who's going to end up with Tua? So we assume Deshaun goes Miami. Tua goes either probably Carolina, maybe Washington. Uh, or Houston. And, or, you know, there I, there's an outside chance he goes back to Houston – um, the same guy that broke this story is the same one that has pretty much said Houston doesn't really have any interest in Tua, uh, uh, but they also are running with Davis Mills and Tyrod Taylor. Tyrod Taylor, sorry. So I, I don't know what to believe. It's it's a, like you mentioned right away. There's so much posturing. Uh, people just want to try to be, be the first person to break news without whether it's wrong or right. They don't really care, so... Um, I do believe this, this report from John McLean, I I know he's uh, been hot and cold on, on some topics. And I know like a few months ago, he said there's a better chance that he's writing for like the Miami dolphins uh, and versus to um, Deshaun being traded. And, but now here we are, uh, however many months, maybe a year later um, and he's on the brink of being traded.
2: Yeah. I, as as we know through my dynasty process, my, my talk on this podcast, I tend to be a little bit more cautious with the off-the-field stuff. I wasn't buying Tyree Kill when he had the hot water a couple of years ago. Um, I I generally don't go out of my way to buy these off the field guys, especially non-drug type off-field guys, because the drug stuff like yes, Josh Gordon has had this, you know, long crazy career of coming and leaving, coming and leaving, coming, coming leaving. But in terms of like non-drug offenses, like there's a pretty like strong like correlation of guys who have those type of incidents and guys who never play again. Um, So I still think, I mean, it's crazy that I think that there is the possibility that Deshaun Watson plays in two weeks. And I still think there's a possibility that Deshaun Watson never puts on a uniform again. Uh, So my my main takeaway from, you know, this news is that I think that this is going to, with the trade deadline and with, you know, how this news is coming out, this is going to put the ball in Roger Goodell's court because the, the, the Dolphins and Texans are saying, We'll do this deal right now. Like, if, if you, you know, say, like, at this time, there's nothing that, that will lead us to suspend Deshaun Watson, or maybe at this time, we've decided we're going disha- to suspend D- Deshaun Watson for only the remainder of 2021. He could play week one, 2022. Like, if something like that happens, this trade happens tomorrow.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, I think. I think a lot would have to go off the path we're currently on for Deshaun Watson to be suspended in any manner. Everything has been kind of progressing towards him kind of being free and clear of all this. Obviously, when you have so many different people accusing one person of the same thing, usually wherever there's smoke, there's fire. But if there was any real fire, I guess, not, that, not to like downplay anything that's happening, but if he was going to be in trouble, he would be in trouble. We wouldn't be waiting still to find out how much trouble he's going to be in. This would all be all over the news. It'd be all over for him. He would be done. But I'm getting the sense he's going to be playing sooner rather than later. And and with that, my question becomes, even with the outside chance, he's, he like you said, never plays again or plays in two weeks. Where do we rank him? Is he in that mix with with Trey Lance and Justin Fields? Uh, Jalen Hurts, or is he still solidified because of how good he is in that Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert mix, just ahead of maybe like your Joe Burrows and Trevor Lawrence's?
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm still not sending offers as as I've said over and over. I'm not sending offers to Deshaun Watson, but if I'm if I'm doing a startup right now, and I, I I probably still wouldn't end up getting him. I would probably take him like QB 12 to 14 because. Okay. That is the price tag that if he is a top five quarterback, I'm set for many years. If he never shows up again, my team isn't sank. Yes. It's hard to lose a third, fourth round, nice startup pick in a super flex league, but like, you're not like an instant rebuild just because you lost to Sean Watson. If he never plays again.
3: Yeah, absolutely. I think, and honestly, that, that QB 12 could end up being like a second round pick the way QBs have been going in a lot of these super flex drafts. So, it's a tough spot. Uh, obviously, once we have a little more clarity as to what's happening, where he's going. Obviously, it sounds like Miami, uh, but there's a couple of other teams in play. I, I would assume at this point. Before we move on, or maybe this is just a nice transition into uh, Tua Tagovailoa. W- what does this mean for Tua? Is this? Do we assume he's just? It's a one for one or a Tua and something for Watson deal back to Houston? Do we believe a third team is in play? And what does that mean for Tua? Because he's just starting to get the grip on this NFL thing as a Miami Dolphin. And he's been playing pretty well of late. So a change of scenery normally doesn't go well early in careers. Uh, You know, fresh start, quote unquote, is is good for someone that is struggling. But we're seeing Tua kind of shine here. So what are we supposed to do with Tua?
2: Yeah, with, with Tua... What still worries me is that he still has one to two plays a game where you're like, that guy's an NFL starting quarterback. That guy's gonna be a franchise quarterback for ten years. Like, he has one to two of those that are just back-breaking bad type plays. And th- this past week, we saw his first career four t- four passing touchdown game, and we saw some of his, you know, during his rookie season, his big the big complaint was he doesn't take enough chances. He doesn't make the big plays, and. This past week, even though um, they you know, they ended up losing with Matt Ryan driving down the field, 291 passing yards, four passing touchdowns, 29 rushing yards, pretty good too. So putting up the numbers this past week, I, I do still think that his ceiling, I mean, clearly his ceiling hasn't been unlocked yet, but I still think his ceiling is very unlockable, um, whether it's Houston or Carolina or Washington, wherever it is. I think that his range of outcomes is still a top five quarterback. I mean, if we're talking about two or Watson straight up, I'd still take Tua. i I'm still that afraid of the Watson thing, but it's a lot closer than it was one to two months ago.
3: Sure. And honestly, I'm probably taking Watson just because I fear, I, I fear it's Washington for Tua um, or, you know, if it's Carolina, awesome. Uh, you've got the weapons, you got everything you need. You have a, a, a what should be a strong offense, that is run by the Lego Man himself. Uh, when and you mentioned Tua has one or two plays a game where it's like, how is this guy in the NFL? Uh, on the flip side, Sam Darnold has one or two games a, a, a week that it's like, hey, he looks like an NFL quarterback. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think I would love for Tua to be in Carolina, but I, I just I fear it's going to end up being a Washington deal as a, as a third team. But if it's back to Houston, even that might be worst case scenario altogether because that team is absolutely horrendous and they have no weapons and no protection and no nothing.
2: But they will have the draft capital because they'll finally have their own picks back and they'll have whatever Miami is sending them. Uh so we'll see what that is. And of course the one of the crazier parts of all of this is that in the three to twelve to six move, Miami gave up their own first. And now their own first is looking super early because they were as confident in themselves as I was confident in them before the
3: season. Hey, I wasn't gonna bring that up, but I'm I'm glad that you did because let's be honest, even if everything went well, that was a terrible pick. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Speaking of terrible picks, the Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts, not a terrible NFL draft pick, but he is a terrible pick to be the quarterback of the future, a future starter for the Philadelphia Eagles, he has been, he is the only quarterback on the season to be a QB one in each and every single week. He is probably also, I don't have this in front of me. He's probably also the only QB one who was like a QB 32 before halftime of each and every single one of those games. I have never, like, I I know we see this with with Russian quarterbacks. I know that we see this in fantasy football. I have never been more sure of, this guy's losing their, losing his job is going to ruin his fantasy career. Like he's going to be great for fantasy until the day he's gone. Like, you know, Tebow level, like, you know, QB one, that type of thing, lock it in every single week until he loses a job. And the Eagles, they did trade Joe Flacco. So Gardner Minshew is stepping up into that number two role. I think that Jalen hurts has been so bad. And I, I don't think, I know, I know Jalen hurts has been so bad in the first half of games Minshew's getting a shot like eventually they're going to get tired of this. Oh, like let's let him lead this comeback just to fall short by two touchdowns. I'm not saying Gardner Minshew gives them the definitely better chance to win, but Jalen hurts is not putting the Eagles in position position to win games by being down three scores at halftime.
3: No, I I mean, that, that was my take right away was that he was going to be a, a great fantasy asset, but he was the best sell high we arguably have ever seen outside of maybe Charles Johnson circle, like 2015 or whatever year that was when he had like a thousand yards receiving and then just decided not to show up the following year. But yeah, Jalen hurts is really bad. He, he has entirely completely and utterly obliterated that Eagles offense. Miles Sanders has been rendered, rendered useless. We get occasional usage out of pass catchers. Uh, it's just not good. It's it's predictable and not good. We get the rushing upside, awesome. His A dot. I mean, has he peaked over four at any point this year? Like his his throws are atrocious down the field, short, intermediate, whatever it is. He is not good. What we saw week one is not indicative of what Jalen Hurts is as a passer, as a runner, as in anything. Uh, Well, he's a good runner. I'll give him that. But um, if this wasn't obvious in college, I I don't know how much more obvious he can get. He is just an athlete. He is not a quarterback. He is an athlete. Um, Put him on that Cordero Patterson game plan. I'm all about it. We got to get the ball out of his hands, though, as as a quarterback. I do think Gardner Minshew gives them the best chance to win. And I don't think this team is really as bad as they've been looking. With Gardner Minshew as the quarterback, they need an actual quarterback. They need to be able to run the ball with their running backs, and uh, there it, it's unfortunate for Devonta Smith. I think uh, as kind of the the predominant piece here, they spend all of that draft capital on one of the highly touted wide receivers in the class. Uh, whether it was Jalen Waddle or Jamar Chase, pick your pick your poison. Devonta Smith was right there in the conversation and. And he's just, you know, we're seeing Waddle do okay. We're seeing Jamar Chase absolutely shine. And Devonta Smith is just kind of stuck with the leftovers, whatever whatever his quarterback decides to throw down the field with his 25 attempts for like 88 yards or whatever it's been. Um I, I just, I don't see this offense going anywhere fast. So as soon as they can get Minshew in here, I think the offense sees an uptick. Uh, That's not necessarily good for Minshew, and it's definitely bad for Jalen Hurts, obviously, but uh, as a whole, I think this team is so much more well-rounded when you have someone that can throw and hand off equally as well. All right, so
2: before we get into the rest of our show, I want to talk a little bit about the RotoViz box score scout. So you can get yourself a RotoViz sub. Uh, the next guy we're talking about is going to be Jamar Chase and his RotoViz box score scout. It isn't pretty, folks. So he is overcoming the box score scout comparables of <laughs> Kevin White, Darius Hayward Bay, Sammy Watkins, and Ted Ginn, Elijah Moore. And then eventually at, at the score of 48, you get Julio Jones. So you got to work your way down the box score scout to find a good comp for one Jamar Chase. But that shouldn't stop you from getting a RotoViz subscription, going to rotovis.com, promo code RVRADIO2021. 10% discount, not 9%, not 8%. They, they sent an email. They said, you know what? We're going to do an 8% discount this week. I said, no. Our listeners, the dice guys, deserve better. They deserve a 10% discount for you. For your mother, for your uncle, and for your cousin. Get them that Rotovis subscription. Christmas is coming up. I, I Nothing I like to unwrap more in my stocking than a nice rotoviz subscription. So RV Radio 2021, make sure to get to it. And, of course, it supports the podcast. So you like us in your ear holes each and every week. I, you know, stay up past my bedtime, which is 9 p.m. Central Time tonight. Stayed up past my bedtime, so you need your Rotovis subscription. so, while the Rotoviz box score out is not kind to our friend Jamar Chase, the question, after the first few weeks of the season, which are record-breaking weeks, the best start, the best first seven games a career has ever seen, he's going to break all of Mike Evans' records. Jamar Chase, he is wide receiver three on the season after a 34.1 PPR point game this past weekend. Jamar Chase. Dan, is he the dynasty wide receiver one
3: today? Almost, uh, I would say. Oh, he's, this is I wrong, would, Dan. I, I he's wrong on this podcast for no reason. He is most obviously he is. Let's go top three. I'm gonna say two. Uh, the only reason being that I still like the upside of Justin Jefferson better. And I also think that T Higgins is better than the 36 year old Adam Phelan or however old he is. Uh, and you still have the JV all-star Tyler Boyd to deal with. So I, I just, the volume is going to be he's there been for Jeff. dealing Jefferson.
2: with all those people and been eating their lunch.
3: Well, that's, that's not true. There's been a decent number of injuries. Obviously Higgins has been out. Boyd, I, I don't think is hundred um, percent, but nonetheless, he's obviously, if he's not, if he's not one or one B he's two, he's, he's in the top two. Um, I just am such a fan of Justin Jefferson. Still. Uh, obviously you have DK Metcalf up there as well in that conversation, CD lamb. Uh, but Brown. yeah, uh, AJ, see, I struggle with AJ Brown because of the inconsistencies of Tennessee. Uh, we don't see those inconsistencies as much with Cincinnati, with Minnesota, with in Seattle as, as, efficient and (laughs) low volume i mean they're so low volume but they're efficient and and they just seem to always he always scores points so um yeah i mean chase honestly it's probably 1b i think if you were to to have me pick out of a hat whether it was justin jefferson or jamar chase i wouldn't be pouting afterwards i I would feel like i won in both situations so i'm not gonna naysay anybody that has him at one i wasn't as sure when we were in september still uh, but October, I, I don't know if somebody poured him an extra bowl of Wheaties in the morning or what it's been, but he has looked as impressive as you possibly can as a as a 20 was he yeah, 21 year old rookie, 20 year old rookie,
2: 21
3: year old yeah. So I, yeah, I mean, over the last three weeks, you know, the, to start October off, he went six for 159 and one. Followed that with a four for 97 and a blowout game scripted out win. Uh, that that could have been an absolute monster for him if Detroit decided to play football last week. And then this week, he shows up with eight for 201 and a touchdown against a, what's been relatively stout Baltimore defense. So, you know, we, we talked about breakout games earlier in the season, uh, and I think it was week three, maybe you mentioned, as his, his quote-unquote breakout where he had like 65 yards, but he had two touchdowns. I think this week, if it wasn't week five with his big week, I think this is like a rookie year defining type type game for Jamar Chase. Um, he, He looked truly elite and special in this game. There was there was some nitpicky things kind of along the way, but I think he's pretty much where we want him to be as as, you know, the dynasty wide receiver one. Everything is kind of coming to form and he is producing. He is performing. He's doing everything we could possibly ask.
2: And in current Dynasty ADP, which was, you know, accumulated at the beginning of October, um, he was being drafted at wide receiver 5, 11 overall. I I think that when when November drafts start in the next week or so, that he'll be like 4 or 5 overall, hanging around with Justin Jefferson, where he's currently going in wide receiver 1. Personally, I prefer Joe Burrow to Kirk Cousins, so that's that's the tiebreaker there. Lamb, I love Lamb. I still think, like... In, in terms of, like, if we were doing the NFL redraft, like, the whole NFL was redrafting, I think that Lamb, like, Lamb, Chase, and Jefferson are three of the first, like, 12 or 15 players off the board. But in terms of Dynasty, it's just harder with Amari Cooper still there, Michael Gallup is eventually going to come back from injury, and they have Zeke and Pollard, so I... The the fantasy outcomes of Lamb are not going to be as easy to deal with as they are with Chase and Jefferson, and to an extent, A.J. Brown as well. So I have have slotted in uh, Jamar Chase into my wide receiver one, um, slightly ahead of Justin Jefferson, and it's mostly because of the Burrow preference over uh, Kirk Cousins.
3: Okay, so here's a question. An old friend of the show, Brian Malone, always said, no player is worth four firsts. Few players are worth three firsts. Is Jamar Chase today worth four firsts? No,
2: I mean, I know I, don't, I it, no I wouldn't give up four firsts. And that was uh, Adam Harstad, not my Brian Lone.
3: Um, well, I think they both kind of had the same. Yeah, they, they both have they both have very weird brains. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, but yeah, no, uh, I like pretty much only like Pat Mahomes and Superflex, and we we could have had a topic of Pat Mahomes' episode. Maybe we'll dive into that if he has another bad week against the Giants next week. Um, but yeah, uh I think outside of a quarterback in Superflex, I think it's hard to to fork that over. But yeah, Chase, I think he's top two or three asset in non-superflex, and you know, top five, six asset in, in superflex. Next we'll talk some more startup. We're talking lots of startup in October, very actionable information we're we've got going on here. Kyle Pitts, Kyle Pitts, he's obviously like you're living under three different rocks if you don't think Kyle Pitts is now the tight end one in dynasty baseball. That was pretty much evident by like July, even before he stepped on the field. He had a little bit of a slow start to the season, but he has kicked things up in the last few weeks. He is the number one target for Matt Ryan. He is the number one target in that Falcons offense. Calvin Ridley, I know he's been injured a little bit, but definitely having an off year. So Kyle Pitts where would you be slotting him in you, i guess this is how we'll do it um what running back would you say has similar or the same value as pits and what wide receiver would you say has the similar or the same value as pits and we'll talk non-tight end premium even though most leagues are tight end premium at this point
3: um well people are most definitely not going to like my takes on this do you do you want to start with your running back first Yeah,
2: sure. Um, My running back that has similar or equal value to Kyle Pitts would be. Najee Harris.
3: So you you have Kyle Pitts as a first round startup. Yes. Okay. I'm never, ever in the history of ever taking a tight end in the first round now. We had the discussion in the off season is Kyle Pitts worth the 101. I was more than okay with him being 101 in rookie drafts because of the potential upside. I I see it, I get it, I understand it. The positional scarcity at tight end. I see it, I get it, I understand it. To draft somebody who averages 14 <laughs> points a game, let's say, in the first round is it's, it's a, it's bad process. Like I, I get it. You get an advantage over a few people, but is he really that big of an advantage over Mark Andrews and Darren Waller and Travis Kelsey's getting a little bit older, but even Noah Fant has been sniffing around those numbers. Mike gasecki kind of is having this, this, you know, mid career blow up where he actually is looking like the Mike gasecki We once thought he would be Dalton Schultz. A lot of these guys can be had for next to nothing, but they're producing right alongside with this generational Kyle Pitts, and I get it. He is good. He's great. He's most likely elite. But it is the advantage of having this guy actually worth these kinds of picks?
2: Let's think. Of it, like, let's say, and, and obviously it's a bit unrealistic to project Gronk. So let's let's say like let's say he has Jimmy Graham's career. Like isn't Jimmy Graham's career starting at 21 years old worth
3: a first-round starter pick? Yes, but in comparison to running backs and and wide receivers that are scoring 20 to 22 points a game,
2: yeah, I mean, I, I think so. I think that you, you'd have to project five, six years in the future for him to stop being worth that price.
3: Sure, I, I just I, I get it, but I don't get it. I, I'm never taking him in the first round. I, I think for me, the closer, uh and it's it's probably a little bit steep, but I, I'd be looking more in that Antonio Gibson territory. You're top 10. I'm more like 20-ish. Um, mm-hmm. So not like a huge, huge gap. I, I just, I have so much trouble putting so much faith into a position that is, I mean, I mean it's definitely more replaceable uh, than running back is. Running back we've seen take, uh, the probably the hardest hit we've ever seen it take in fantasy football in a long time, at the very least this year. Yeah, I, I just I feel like running back is arguably more scarce than tight end is, and I know that sounds crazy, but when a lot of these leagues and you need two two running backs and you only need one tight end, uh, I, I know we're most likely going to be taking best player available or best value. I, I just have a really tough time grabbing one tight end before I I have at least a running back, maybe not if not two. I'm I'm such like a a seventh to tenth round tight end kind of guy that I I'm. I'm terrible at answering a question like this. And I admit I, I would, you know, I'm, I'm never going to own a Kyle Pitts share. I never will. I'll never pay a top, a top 20 price. I just know that that's where he belongs because of his actual ability and his upside. And um, as far as, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut come you off. I, I, I was going to say, and as far as like wide receivers go, um I'd probably have him. I, I, Part of me wants to say his <laughs> Antonio Gibson's teammate Terry McLaurin, but I think I'll go a little bit higher and say DJ Moore. I feel like that kind of fits the bit a little bit better. I feel like Gibson. Yeah, and Moore, I, I would say yeah,
2: I, I would say Tyreek, DJ Moore would be the two that. But I probably have Tyreek lower than most people, so. That's and
3: uh, that's that's decently fair. I feel like Tyreek's been sliding down a little bit as we've seen some of these younger guys uh, doing so much better. Obviously, with with Justin Jefferson, CD Lamb, Jamar Chase, uh, and DK Metcalf. And, and you still have Devontae Adams up there as well. So that's an easy push to move Tyreek down a bit. But uh, I, I would guess you and I are probably about a round different on Kyle Pitts. And I'm okay with that. I'm okay never owning a share. Uh, so yeah, don't let that and, stop and, you and, from going and, to buying one. But
2: also, like, to say this, like, I'm also probably never drafting Kyle Pitts in the first round of a startup. Like, if right. I am at the 11th pick and he's the top guy on my board, I'm going to trade back four picks and then take Antonio Gibson or take, you know, somebody else. Like I'm probably not taking them there either, but I think that's if I was at the 11th pick and I had to take my best player available, it's probably going to end up being someone like Pitts.
3: His, yeah, his cost to acquire or, or your price to sell is going to be in that top 10 category. It's you're never going to be selling Be like, you know what? I guess I'll just take Ezekiel Elliott. Like no one's doing that. That obviously there's, there's too much value to be had with Kyle Pitts. Um, and he's probably going to now be close to Jamar Chase as far as, you know, not necessarily price-wise, but actual attainability. You know, everybody has a price, sure, but no one's pulling the trigger on a Jamar Chase trade right now. And I, I can't imagine anyone's going to be actually selling Kyle Pitts after this week.
2: All righty, that should wrap us up for this evening. Maybe we'll get a little bit of Colts talk next week and maybe a this is our promise so we've been recording Tuesday nights the last couple of times maybe we should record next Tuesday night too because <laughs> if Mahomes is bad next week we might have to like just do 60 minutes on Mahomes being bad
3: it, this could be a uh, Kyler Murray Justin Herbert, Josh Allen who's, who's your actual QB1 since the King has died
2: that'll wrap us up for this week we'll talk to you guys next week